Hello, everybody. You listen to J Movie Talk, episode 290, as I'm talking the movie Romance in the Stone. I'm getting out of this jungle dump. I am fed up to here with this treasure hunt business. Yeah. Ira, you miserable worm, you lied to me. You said she was a city girl. Out of her element. Just get her in the map and bring him back. Piece of cake. Piece of cake, my butt. What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. First of all, guess who else is here? You're dead right, Solo. What? Secondly, she's got herself a partner. You like shooting holes and everything. The minimum price for taking a stranded woman to a telephone is four hundred dollars. Three hundred and seventy-five in traveler's checks. Not a deal. That's just the beginning of what's going on down here. There's nothing you can say that'll make me go back into that hellhole. Don't bring that up, Ira. Ira, stop it! <laughs> All right, I'll go back. Hello, everybody. I am back. I am back to doing movie reviews for this episode. Uh, I know the last few months have kind of been up and down for, with me with the podcast, but then you know sometimes you just got to take a little time away um, to kind of refresh you know, get back to being who you are and everything like that. And I decided to come back to talking about movies with this movie, Romance in the Stone, which came out in 1984. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of good to be back to talking about a movie on this podcast once again, because it is the J movie talk podcast. And I know for the last few episodes that I haven't really been talking about movies, just kind of, you know, talking about different entertainment-related topics, but never really deep-diving into movies once again. So for anyone who is newer to Movie Talk, uh, this is actually how the format of the show goes, where I used to do movie reviews. Um, of course, to my other listeners who've been with me for a while, you guys are pretty much used to me, you know, talking movies and doing reviews like that. So... Kind of getting right into the thick of things here. Uh, the cast for this movie, uh, Romance in the Stone, we have Michael Douglas as Jack Colton, uh, Kathleen Turner as Joan Weiler. Uh, Joan Weiler? Um, we have Danny DeVito as Ralph, uh, Zach Norman as Ira, um, Alfonso Ar- Arua as Juan. Uh, Manuel Ojada as Zolo, Holland Taylor as Gloria, and Mary Ellen Trainer as Elaine. That's pretty much a main cast. And this movie was directed by Robert Zemeckis, probably best known for, depending on your age group, you know him best for Back to the Future, which he um, wrote um, and everything. Um, and ironically enough, because of the success, the success of this movie is why he even got to do Back to the Future. So because he was originally supposed to do another movie, I can't remember what the movie was, but it was like, nah, we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna do that. Cause we don't know how, we don't know how good, um, 
We don't know how good Romance of Stone gonna be, so uh, we not gonna take a chance on you with that movie. So he was able to do his passion project at the time, which was Back to the Future, and it worked out in you know in the end for him, you know, with that. But um, looking through his film, Marky Hun and Mel Street, Forrest Gump, um, Contact with um, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. Castaway, uh, The Pole Express, Beowulf, um, like I say, uh, Flight, which is still a wild freaking movie, uh, and everything. But if if you know the name Robert Zemeckis and you know the stuff that he was attached to, um, and that's just him as a director, but as a producer, he well, as a writer also, he, he, he wrote the movie Trespass, which came out in 92, which someday I do plan on actually doing on the podcast. Um, he came up with the story for Bordello of Blood, the Tales from the Crypt movie with Dennis Miller, um, and everything. Uh, but like I say he's like one of people, one of the people in Hollywood. Like he is, when you see his name, you know that it's gonna be some goodness that comes along. With it. And he also executive produced the uh, Demon Knight. Um, so yeah, uh, he well he produced that and the Frighteners as I'm kind of scrolling through his filmography. Uh, the remake of House on Haunted Hill he produced, Thirteen Ghosts. So he actually kind of has like a little thing, you know, a, a regard about uh, horror. Um, Surprised he never directed an actual horror movie. Um, I think that would have been interesting, but yeah, he has uh, you know some ties to to some horror stuff um, and everything, which is cool. And I've always kind of been a fan of Robert Zemeckis. So, like I say, watching. Some of his movies as a kid. I know I used to think that he, I used to think that Steven Spielberg directed Back to the Future for whatever reason. When I, this is when I was like really, really young. I used to think that Spielberg directed it. And because I didn't know who the hell Robert Zemeckis was at that time, you know. But I always thought Spielberg directed it until I realized, oh, okay, it's Robert Zemeckis um, and everything. Um, But yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. For people who might not know him by name, you've probably seen quite a few of his movies. So if you look through his filmography, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I, I've seen this or I, I've heard of that, you know, type of thing. So um, before I actually get into the movie, per se, because it does kind of make a connection with the opening scene, which is like a cheesy romance novel that's being kind of played out of what we're seeing. And the ironic thing about it is that the guy... Uh, Grogan um, that's like the bad guy that's in this scene because it's like a western type set. it almost kind of reminds me of Once Upon a Time in the West <laughs> and it makes me wonder did they do that on purpose because of just how it looks because the woman kind of almost looked like Claudia Cardinale's character and the character Grogan almost almost resembles Charles Bronson a little bit from Once Upon a Time in the West. Um, like I say, I don't know how. I'm just kind of assuming that. I mean, probably have to get their actual, you know, opinion off of that if that's true or not. But that's just how it kind of came across to me. But uh, the the guy Grogan, who you probably won't necessarily recognize by name, uh, by face, but the name Ted White. For anybody that is fans of the Friday the 13th franchise and know that I love Friday the 13th franchise, know the name Ted White, know the face Ted White, and know that he was Jason 
1984 in the final chapter. But he also shows up in this movie. So I was like, huh, there's a little connection to a Friday 13th franchise right there. So kind of seeing this whole thing played out and we're getting this voiceover narration from Joan as basically this is her envisioning this like chapter a part of her novel that she's working on. So I thought it was kind of interesting that it opens like with a fantasy type scene opposed to, you know, getting one of our main characters right off the bat. So I thought it was kind of interesting, but it did kind of set up like, okay, this is what type of movie we're going to get, especially when we're thrust into reality and seeing Joan and how this is pretty much she lives her life. She, she lives her life through her novels um, at the point that we meet Joan and she's kind of a meek type of a, you know, woman and everything like that. And I will say this before I actually start talking, talking about the movie and I probably bring it up a few more times that one thing I noticed about this movie, which I never paid attention to, but watching it for this episode is the evolution of the Joan character just by body language. Like when we first meet her, like she's very timid and she's kind of scared to be out on the street and stuff like that. And like I said, there's going to be like a natural progression of her character as the movie goes along. And if you if you watch it, and you pay attention to it, you'd be like, oh, that is actually some good character work that they did with this character. That I don't I don't know if a lot of people actually pick up on um, and everything. So the funny thing about Joan is that she seems like she writes these romance books um, in the hopes of finding well, I should say her imagination of finding, you know, this, the love of her life that's going to come in and save her and, and all this type of stuff. So um, she leaves her apartment to go meet up with her friend and publicist, um, Gloria, who was basically like, look, you need to get up out of, you know, get out of that place for a while. You know, you, know, you, need, to, you need to check out some of these dudes and everything. And it's funny, like the scene where they, is at this bar and, and Gloria's kind of going down the line of the guys at the bar and like, ah, I don't know about him. He's too happy. Ugh, he used to look too serious. And it's like, oh, check out this guy. And this like, Jones like, I ain't got time for that. You know, type of thing. She She's wrapped up in her own fantasy world. So while they're out talking and, and everything about the book, about men and stuff, see this, for the, for the first part, I'm going to refer to him as the Night Stalker because he kind of looked like Richard Ramirez a little bit, man. especially with the way he come rolling up and and he goes inside Jones' building and he goes to her apartment it's like he's trying to break in. And I assume that this guy is the superintendent um, and everything. He's like, hey, who are you and everything? Like, that's that's Miss Wilder's place. Like, what are you doing? So he walks over to the dude and then you see the knife comes out and well, we know what happens after that. Cause we never see that superintendent again. Um, so, um, the movie, it, it kind of jumps around a bit in this beginning part. So like I said, we get Joan and then we get the whole thing with the night stalker. And then it jumps to, um, Cartagena. Um, and we meet Elaine who is like in a rush. You're trying to get the hell out of there. Cause she packing up everything. It's like she got to go. Like something is going on. She 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 really got to move. So while she's trying to leave and everything, this freaking kid is outside. He ends up knocking her out, jumps into the car, takes the car, drives off with her knocked out in it and drives to 
uh, this boat, and that's where we meet Ira and Ralph. And basically what it is is that they're going to hold her for ransom um, and everything. But at, at first, we really don't know. Okay, like, what exactly is going on here? And the fact that Ira has this obsession with these alligators, because as Ralph is even talking to him, it's like, yeah, the kid brought the broad and everything like that. And Ira's whole thing is like, look at those snappers, you know, with, with these um with these alligators, like you, like when you focus for a bit. That's how Ralph is. Like when you focus for a minute, like we really trying to get this. You know, we got the girl, and now we got to get, you know, this map. You know that she has in her possession, and everything like that. So Joan goes back home, and she sees that her place has been completely destroyed. Like who the hell came in here, ransacked the place? So she gets the she gets a call from Elaine, and Elaine is basically forced to tell her. To bring the map to Cartagena for exchange for her. And so this is like the beginnings of where Joan is like, all right, I got I got to do something like she don't know what the hell she going to do, really. But my sister's in trouble. That's my family. I got to go save my sister. And even Gloria kind of tells her, like, you're not really prepared for this. And uh, and I, I like the response that Joan gives back because. Joan looks right at Gloria and tells us, like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's that's my sister. Like, I would basically I'd do anything for my sister. And if it means me going and potentially get myself killed for my sister, that's what I'm gonna do. So Joan says a goodbye to Gloria and she gets in the cab and leaves for the airport. And as she leaves, we see the old night stalker sitting in the car and he follows her. And he falls into the airport and, and everything like that. And so we learn how to figure out like who the hell is this this night stalker looking dude? Right. So Joan gets to Cartagena and because she don't speak the language and I mean, I'm pretty sure this happens a lot in real life. She's trying to talk to this bus driver about, you know, this, is this the bus to Cartagena? Because that was the whole thing. You get the you get to the airport, you get on the bus to Cartagena and you come to them. And that's when a night stalker, he pops up and it's like. Cartagena. He's like he probably pretend like he don't really speak English too well, but he speaks enough, you know, just to get her. And while she's talking to him, the bus driver is actually flipping the sign around on the bus that they're going somewhere completely different. And he's like, "Yeah, this is basically like, yeah, this is the bus to Cartagena." So she gets on, and he get on the bus with her, and Ralph pops up. He's looking for her, and he looks on the bus that is supposed to be going to Cartagena, but then he sees where. She got on the wrong bus and it's like, oh gosh, she got on the wrong bus and everything like that. So Joan is like knocked out, dead sleep on this bus. She just wakes up out of nowhere. She looks around looking like, what the hell? And the nice dog, he just sitting a few rows back. And he just glared at her the whole time. He was like, what the fuck? You know, type of thing. And then she's looking like, well, wait a minute, where the hell am I right now? So she gets up and she goes talking to the bus driver like, is this the bus? To, is it, like, how far we got to go to get the car to hang? Like, what is this? Why are we on some damn mountainside and everything? So while the bus driver is is looking back at her, not paying attention to the road, they come around the corner, crash into this damn Jeep that is parked in the middle of the road. Everybody go falling down. Uh, the Night Stalker, he falls down. And because this lady had this pig and everything, the pig falls out of her hand, cl- clumps him in the head, which is like one of the funny things. I don't know if that was 
I st- to this day I still don't know if that was like supposed to happen or if that was an accident and they just left it in the movie because it's just random that big falls down on this man's head like that. So everybody's flipping out. The jeep is destroyed. The bus is basically destroyed. Bus driver basically get everybody. It's like all right, we're gonna get all our stuff and we gotta walk. And Jones like. What the hell is going on? Like, is there another bus coming? So the Night Stalker dude, he being real nice to him. And he's like, oh, there's a, so, oh, there'll be another bus. There's always another bus. Like, even in Columbia, schedules have to be kept. It's like, we just sit here and wait. So she got her suitcase and she's sitting down, you know, just la la, like it ain't nothing. Like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, it'll be another bus. Yeah, everything be cool. So the night stalker, he looks to make sure that everybody from the bus is long gone. He walks back over where she is. And then he pulls a gun out on her. And it's like, give her, give him the map. So it's like, who the hell are you? Because clearly you ain't with Ira and Ralph. So who the hell are you? And everything. So she's like, what? And everything. He's like, give me the map. Like, give her the, give him the map right now. So while he got her at gunpoint, that's when we see this guy. He's just whistling and walking along. Um, and everything. And this is where we first meet Jack because he sees what's going on. He gives like a warning shot to Jack. Jack comes out with his shotgun, getting to this big shootout with, with the Night Stalker and basically chases him off. And I always like after he chases him off, he looks back and like, what the hell happened to my truck? He's like, what the hell are my birds? Because cause after they crashed, he had these birds in these cages on his. And after they, when they crashed to the bus, well, when the bus crashed with his truck, Birds go, the crates that the birds in go smashing all down. And the people basically get the birds and take them over, take them with them. So they probably went to go cook them birds or eat them, probably. Um, that, that's what I always assumed anyway. But um, real quick, my thoughts about Kathleen Turner in this movie. Um, I think she does a really good job in this movie. And like I said earlier about how she goes from this like kind of meek and timber. Uh, timid character in the beginning but then like had because I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to talk about like where exactly her character changes and like just the growth of that character and what we get to her at the end like I say she's really good in this movie it's like one of my favorite movies with her and also just from a character standpoint of the evolution of that character and of a character in a movie um, is with her character performance in this and everything so Jack, he 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 gets down because while this whole shootout was going on at the bus, Joan and jumped underneath the bus and like I'm not getting like I'm I ain't trying to get shot, so I'm just gonna dive on this bus real quick. So Jack he leans down and he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" He's like, "Everything all right?" And it's like so we try to figure out like well, what's going on here. It's like oh, I was on the bus here, you know, probably going to Cartagena. He's like Cartagena. You're like, lady, you are hell and gone from Cartagena and everything. Like, Cartagena's on the other side of the mountain and everything. Like, you lot closer to Miami than you are to Cartagena right now. And it's like, but that nice man, you know, told me there was going to be another. But it's like, oh, that nice man that put a gun on you is about to rob you. That same probably rape you if he could have had the chance. That that nice guy, you know, he told you there was another buzz. And she was like, oh, shit. You know, basically like, oh, yeah, I got I got I got scammed. And everything, right? So it's like, well, I'll pay you to take me to Cartagena. It's like, look, lady, like I just lost everything. My burger's gone, all my stuff, and and everything I own in the next hour is gonna be soaking wet. 
So I ain't really got time for your nuts. I got I got more important problems to deal with. And then she was like, I pay you. And he was like, well, how much? So they basically haggle back and forth. And I always kind of use this, this line that uh, Jack says. He's like, look, lady, like I ain't cheap, but I can be had. So they agree for her to take for him to take her to call to hang you for three hundred seventy five dollars in at uh traveler checks and everything. So this is where they kind of get on the road. So they kind of they start walking. And while this is going on, we meet back up with the night stalker who actually flags down a car which is driven by Ralph and forces him to turn around and go the other way. And this is where we find out that the Night Stalker is actually military. And he's not just any military, because when they get to this uh, this military post and everything, we find out that he's actually Commander Zolo, who has his own private army, and who basically like be terrorizing around uh, Colombia, just doing whatever he want to do. But the reason why he wants the map, because we find out, too, that He's actually the guy who killed Elaine's husband, skinned him alive, basically. And that because that gets brought up by Ira when he's talking to Elaine, like that that warlord who's that butcher. No, that's what we call him, that butcher that skinned your husband. So because we never know exactly like, OK, how did this all come about? Was it some Indiana Jones type stuff where Elaine's husband went out, found the map and, you know, got away from Zolo for a little bit? Was able to get it to Elaine. She got it to her sister and they kept it. But her husband ended up getting killed. Because that's how I always kind of. Because they never go too deep into like. Okay well, how exactly did the map get to New York? And how did they catch up with Elaine's husband? Um, So Jack and Joan. They start getting a little bit more. They get real up and close and personal with each other. Which in one of my funniest scenes of the movie. Where they walking and cause she got this huge briefcase and she kind of get furious with Jack because he ain't carrying it for her. And it's like, look, lady, you, you get a lot faster. You dump this damn briefcase, this uh, suitcase that you got. So he tosses it and she starts yelling at him, gets furious. Next thing you know, a mudslide catches him. She falls down and goes sliding down the, the, the mountain. He gets caught up in the mudslide, goes sliding down the thing. She crashes down to the water. He comes down face first, smashes right in between her legs. And it's like, yeah, this is actually been turned into a hell of a morning. Ain't no type of thing. And she's just looking like, what the hell is going on? Like, I was, an hour ago, I was almost robbed and probably raped and murdered. And now I'm out here with this wild man. And we're going down a freaking mountainside in a mudslide. But I do enjoy the chemistry between Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner here and it's probably why they went on to do not one but two more movies together the sequel to this the jewel of the now which I don't think is as good as this one and um, and I always forget the name of the third movie and Dan DeVito actually directed the third movie Dan DeVito is actually it's funny how Kathleen Turner Michael Douglas and Dan DeVito all are in a trilogy of movies together even though one is actually sequel, and it's I think it's Bed of Roses is the is the third one where Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas play this like wild married couple that hates each other and everything. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, I thought that they had really good chemistry in this movie, and they play well off of each other. Um, so Ralph 
it, it stuck with Zolo, and he's scared to death. And he calls Ira, like letting him know, like, look, basically telling him what's going on. But but Joan went the wrong way. He followed her. Next thing you know, he get caught up with Zolo, who getting his men all ready to to go to war, basically, and everything. And Iris like, yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. It's like they don't know who you are, right? So it, it ain't nothing wrong. He's like, yeah, I ain't going around telling everybody. Hey, my name is Ralph. Y'all got my picture plastered all up. As long as nobody looks directly at me, I should be good. But I'm still scared to death because if they realize who I am, they probably gonna skin me alive. And Iris is basically telling him like, don't worry about it, type of thing. So, <clears throat> so Jack and Joan, uh, they try to, they basically trying to make it through the jungle. And how the hell Zolo and his men end up getting like real close? They know exactly where they are because they do. They basically ambush them, and and uh, Jack ends up getting to you know he basically have to make a stand against these dudes and like oh my god I got into a got into a shootout with a cop like oh boy this is not gonna be good. So they end up getting the hell out of there. And Jack is basically realizing, like, they're not after me. they really after you. Like, who the hell are you, lady? And she's like, I ain't nobody. And everything. Like, oh, you, you, you this is something. So while he's trying to make this stand and everything, they, they come across, like, this real riggedy-ass bridge. I mean, this thing is like a death trap out of this world. And Joan decides, like, oh, she's going to try to cross it and everything. And while she's trying to cross it, she damn near falls to her death. But luckily, she latches onto this long vine and it swings her across to the other side. And Jack realizes, like, oh, shit, she left me. It's like, oh, hell, I got, now I got to try some nonsense. So he tries to do the same thing by getting across. And his vine actually drops down low. He crashes into the side of the mountain. Basically could have died. And even with him like that, uh, Zolo, his men, they basically shoot at him, but he manages to climb up and save himself and get to where she is. And it's like, I'm over here almost dying. Are you over here drinking? Like, what the hell is happening right now? So they end up getting the hell out of there real quick. So one thing about this movie is that the first half of the movie is really just getting to know like our major characters so it's a lot of setup going on because like i said we introduced the joan we introduced the jack we find out who elaine is in relation to joan and ira and ralph and then of course whoever who this uh zolo is like i say it's really a lot of just okay we introducing them putting them in like some wild situations in the beginning but it's not really until we get to where the plane crash, uh, what his crash plane is, and we really kind of get a bit of a backstory about what really is going on. Um, so Jack and Joan, they, after they basically avoid Zolo, they get to the, the plane that's been crash landed down there, and it's a drug plane, like an American-made uh, Barry Seal plane probably you know crash landed with and it got drugs in it so they basically gonna hold up in there for the night and this is where jack he finds the map and he basically gets joan to explain like okay what exactly is going on and this whole thing about this map because she was trying to keep a secret and she was like scared to death to, for him to even find out so um and this is kind of where the movie begins to shift too and we get a little bit more confident 
Joan from here after she kind of explained everything. Granted, they getting high and everything um, in this plane because there's drugs in the plane and they using it to to, to build his campfire because I always love to lie to with Jack when he's like inhaling. I was like, yeah, that's a campfire right there. And yeah, it's like she kind of starts letting her guard down around him. And she begins to look to him, look at him as a protector because while she's talking to him, he he kind of looking off to the side like, what the hell is, hell is that? And you got this big snake that comes up behind her. He ends up coming out of a, with a machete, kills the snake, and it's like, you know, this damn Bushmaster is like, she's like, is it poisonous? Like, very poisonous, but very tasty. So they end up eating the damn snake and everything. But uh, like I say, this is the beginnings of where her confidence begins to grow because when they leave this plane and they they're walking in this uh, town and everything, like I said, she has a different confidence about her that we didn't see early in the movie. And like I say, if you don't, if, if you really pay attention to it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about if you watch the movie. So they get to the town and. You got these bunch of dudes, and these ain't no good dudes. These almost look like some uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, Desperado type villains uh, here that they meet up at this town. And it goes from being like one or two guys following to damn near nine guys following them. And they're like, don't look bad. Don't don't pay them no attention. So they end up, because uh, they, they hear about this guy named Juan who has uh, – who might have a car that, that can get them, you know, to Cartagena. Well, get them to a town so they can get closer to getting to Cartagena. Um, because, like I said, they on the on the other freaking side of the mountain of where Cartagena is supposed to be. So they pull up at, at this house, and they knock. He's like, yeah, just let me do the talking. So he knock on the door. The guy, Juan, comes to the door. It's like, oh, you know, you know, uh, sir, um, you know, we're trying to see if you have a car that you could kind of help us get to a town. And he, he started insulting them. Like, well, what the hell you think this is? A goddamn pigsty? Like, like I live in a fucking town. Like, what what we need to get to a town? And it's like, oh, no, no, man, it's cool. Like, like look, we, no, we heard you had a car. Maybe we could rent it from you and everything. So he comes out with this big-ass 45. And he tells Jack, like, hit the road. Like, get out of here. Like, get the fuck out of here before I blow your head off. Basically what he's telling him. And while they getting ready to turn and leave, them same dudes that were following them standing there, they got their guns drawn on them. So it's like they about to get shot down quick. But Jack, he comes out and says, like, all right, Joan Wilder, why don't you write, about, write us out of this? And Juan hears, he's like, John Wilder? The John Wilder? So he opens the door, and, and Jack looking like, what the fuck is happening right now? He's like, you were John Wilder, the novelist? He's like, yeah. He's like, I read your books. It's like, oh, I love your books. I read your books all the time. And then he explains to the dude that she's Joan Wilder. She's the one that, that writes the books that he reads to them on Saturdays and stuff. And they're like, oh, Juanita, Juanita, we love you. And then they leave and Jack just looking like, what the fuck happened right here? Like, oh, so you famous. All right. So they go inside and we see like Juan is living. Juan is living large. Like on the outside, of, yeah, it looks like some old like some rundown place but when we go inside it's, it's this big i, I want to say like a fortress type place but it's like it, he lives a hell of a lot better than everybody else and it's kind of insane that he's a drug runner and that plane was probably coming to deliver to him and it never made it type of thing so this is where jack kind of gets to know more about joan it's just 
in a kind of real like, oh, so she famous, famous. Like she ain't just, you know, just know anybody. Like, oh, she ain't just write like one or two books. She got a whole series and and stuff like this. And she, people down here in Columbia reading your book. So yeah, you must be worth something and everything. And like I say, but it's funny how Jack just trying to figure out like what the fuck exactly is going on. So Zolo and his men again they are on their tail because they find out exactly where they are and right when they pull up at Juan's place and everything you hear this souped up truck it comes crashing through the garage and this is the truck that they was told that he had and they was like oh you're talking about oh my little my little pepe my little mule and everything but you got this souped up ass forward truck and everything so he takes them all around and then he's actually giving them a tour while they're getting shot at which is kind of funny and jack even says to himself like this dude is crazier than i am so they go on this elaborate you know chase to avoid zolo and getting captured or getting and everything and one gets them out of there and he gets them to um to this to a town that's going to get them closer to uh cartagena so jack he kind of talks to john because the whole agreement was for her you know to get her you know, you know, get her to safety and everything. So she, you know, she was kind of getting ready to part ways. Like, yeah, well, this was the agreed contract. Here's your three seventy five, and it's like, you know, it's like it's almost like they they were saying goodbye, but it's like I don't really want to. I don't really want to leave you. Like, I'm, I'm starting to vibe with you. We didn't avoid death a few times. Like, yeah, we, you know, but the way they kind of going about it. So Jack, he just kind of comes out and like, yeah, well. You know, it's like going to be a hell of a party tonight, you know, get some clothes, you know, come have dinner with me, you know, let's, let's, um, let's relax, you know, let's, let's have a good time, you know, and everything. And she's like, all right, sure. Yeah, I'll stay, you know, and everything like, oh, my sister life is just on the line, but I stick around with this dude and everything. And so Ralph pops back up because he's lurking around and he just watching and so the party's going on and everything, and Jack, he basically gets uh, Joan like, come on, dance with me and everything. She's like, no, I can't, I can't. And, and Jack goes out there and starts showing her the moves and everything, and she just vibing, and they're just having a good time and everything. So uh, Ralph sees that Joan left her bag sitting at the table. So this genius decides to crawl under this table where, he's, where his family is sitting. And is going to basically, oh, I'm going to crawl under this table, and I'm going to reach over get the bag, get the map, and I'm going to get the hell out of there. Well, his plan is somewhat going good until he decides to reach his arm out from under his table and the lady that's sitting there drops her napkin and it falls right on him and she hoists the hell out of him, damn near knocks the table over, start beating the hell out of him, just just throwing haymakers at him, just, just takes him over to the side, basically back inside the building, just knocking him, just, just hitting him. Even the um, even the way that she slapped the hell out of him and just beating the holy hell out of Ralph. Wow. And and no one else knows what's going on because uh, Jack and Joan, they just basically falling for each other. So after that goes on, we get back to the hotel room and Jack, he uh, G GTD, if you don't know what that means, um, watch Martin and pay attention to what Tommy says when he, when he talks about GTD. Um, and in the midst of this, he convinces Joan to, in a roundabout way, he doesn't outright say it to her, but he basically convinces her to make her think that it's her idea to go after the stone 
and then give Ira and Ralph the map because all they care about is the map to get where this El Corazon is opposed to, well, if we go get the El Corazon and we give them the map because that's all they want. So when they go to look for the El Corazon, it won't be there because we actually got it, which is actually smart when you think about it. Um, So while they're getting ready to leave and everything, again, Zolo, I always try to figure out how the hell Zolo and his men know exactly where the hell Jack and Joan going to be. So they pretty much sneaking up out this hotel and going around the back way and they jump into this car, which is actually Ralph's car. He's sleeping in the back because he had a rough night. Like I said, he had going one-on-one with his, with his, with his damn woman who beat the hell out of him. Probably put him in a whole blender anyway. So they avoid, um, they avoid Zolo men once again, and they go out to by getting the stone. So they get to where the L quarters on the stone is. They go inside and they find it. And as they kind of talk and everything, Ralph, he comes in with his gun. It's like, all right, let's go. And he pulls them up out of there. Um, So while they stand there talking, Ralph actually tells them, like, look, you know, you think you real slick, don't you? It's like, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to steal it from her. Like, I'm just trying to get the map from her and that's it. I ain't trying to romance it from her and all this stuff. And. And she was like, no, going after the stone was my idea. It's like, yeah, that's what he wanted you to think and everything. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, well, was he doing that because he was going to get the stone? And was he going to ditch her? Or is he really in love with this woman and just want to do right by her, you know, with her um, and everything? So they don't have time to really kind of dive into that because Zola and his men is coming from the from behind Ralph takes off running with, you know, with the bag and with the stone in it and they get in the car. They chase him down. He stops when he sees mounties coming over the mountainside from the way that he's running. Jack tackles him, gets the bag and they take off and uh, Ralph almost get trampled by some horses and they take off and they leave. So one thing about Dan DeVito in this movie is like, this was like the first like major movie that he had a big role in. I mean, he was known. I mean, of course he was in uh, once flew over the cuckoo's nest and of course known for taxi around the time. But this movie is kind of the movie that really launched his movie career. Cause if you know that, if you look at Danny V's career after, after this movie, I mean, of course we get twins, um, you know, and all these different movies, uh, Batman returns, you know, comes along in the nineties, uh, Matilda and all that stuff. He started popping up in a lot of movies, but Romance in the Stone is the movie that really kickstarts his movie career. And he's great in this. He just he kind of just gets to run around and, and do a whole bunch of wild stuff and everything. It just have these lines and, he, and the way he kind of pops in and out of the movie. Because one thing about this movie is that there are, I mean, yes, Joan and Jack are our heroes, basically. Or, you know, our adventurers are good guys who we follow. But with the exception of Zolo, Zolo is a villain. He's a true villain. But with the exception, I mean, Ira and Ralph are not really villains per se. I mean, yeah, they're bad guys, but they're not they're not villains, if the, if that makes sense. 
Um, Zolo is a villain because he's out here murdering folks and, you know, shooting down people. Ralph and Ira, they just want the map. Yeah, yeah, okay, we might kidnap somebody, but we ain't trying to murder nobody. That ain't our whole thing. And then, of course, we, we, we deal in drugs, but you never see them dealing in drugs in the movie. So, like I said, they're bad guys, but they're not necessarily villains. And and even how Ira talks to uh, Elaine about Zolo being the butcher that killed her husband, like, even they look at him like, man, this dude ain't, you know, he this dude ain't, he ain't no, he, we're bad guys, but this dude is a, is a bad dude. That's basically how they look at Zolo. And like I say, just Dan DeVito just running around and everything like that. It's just kind of funny seeing him in this type of a role um, <clears throat> and everything. So Joan, as she's like getting away and everything, they in, she drives the, the car into a river and this thing is going fast and everything. They're going down the stream. They end up going over that waterfall. In some way, somehow they survive and they end up on opposite sides of the river um, and everything. Jack is on one side with the stone. Joan is actually on the on the right side. You know, he's like, you know, what's that? What's the name of that hotel in hotel in uh, Cartagena? She's like, Hotel Cartagena. It's like, well, if you go that way, you'll get there and I will be there type of thing. But she don't really trust Jack at this point because of what Ralph said to her. It's like, I'll be there and everything. So before they can even say anything, yo, Zolo men, they start shooting them. So they go, they go off. They basically split up. And Joan ends up getting to, uh, get to the hotel. But boy, she look rough as hell. It's like, good grief. Like, they've been through hell and back. So she gets in. She even checks the hotel. Like, um, has Jack Colton checked in? Like, nah, I ain't, who the fuck is Jack Colton? It's basically, like, how do you reply to it? So, She's in a room and everything, and Ira calls Joan and tells her where to meet them, you know, at the boat and everything like that. So Joan does exactly what Ira says. She gets to, you know, she gets on this boat ride, boat tax, I should say, and gets brought over to where they are, and they all meet up. And I always laugh at how Ira does this. It's like, you got the map? Like, well, I want my sister. Like, let me make sure this map is authentic first. Then you will get your sister. So he gets the map and he got to take out his, um, like, eyeglass thing just to verify that this is the accurate map. They ain't pull no fast one on him and everything and make a duplicate and everything. So he looks at the map and then he walks over to Joan. He was like, Joan Wilder, you and your sister, you're free to go. He started laughing there. They so she gets so they let Elaine go, and they were like, "This is all. This is all they really wanted." They, you know, yeah, they had to kidnap Elaine just to get what they wanted. What no harm, no foul here. Like, yeah, just had to do a little kidnapping, you know, because now we got the map. We can go after, you know, the L quarter zone, right? So Elaine and Joan is about to leave, and then there's some gunshots. And it's like, what the hell? And Jack, he comes from around the corner. It's like, oh, I missed you at the hotel. And then you realize, wait a minute, Jack has been held at gunpoint. So it's so I guess Jack did get to the hotel, but he got caught by uh, Zolo and his men at this point. And then they took him to the spot. Now, how exactly they knew exactly where, I guess they was telling Joan or something like that. So they all, you know, standing there. Zolo comes out of the shadows. They throw Ralph down. 
and everything, which is just hilarious. Cause like they beat the hell out of him because his mouth all bloody, got a black eye. They beat him worse than that lady beat him up. So Ira at this point in reference, like they's like, oh shit, cause cause they, like I say they wanted men by Zolo, so Zolo's getting ready to do some real nasty business to them. So um, while they they're talking everything, they won't like. So Zolo comes over to to Ira, takes the map. And it's like, he takes it and he burns it. Like, this map ain't worth nothing now. Like, they actually got the stone. And so he turns around and is like, tell me where exactly the stone is. So one of uh, Zolo men takes the butt of his gun and hits Jack low and everything. But you hear like this little clunk. It's like, what the hell is that? So he kind of does like this little shim move, like to readjust itself. And you see, like, this thing falling down his leg, and it gets down to the bottom of his pants leg. It's the stone. He basically had the stone, like, stashed in his drawers, basically. So, it's like, you want it? Yeah, go get it. So, he does, like, a feel, uh, like, a, like, a punt and everything. Like, on third and 15, he basically does, like, a punt move. Kicks the uh, stone up into the air. Because Zolo was, like, literally trying to try to get the stone. He was literally trying to hold in jones hand over where ira had some alligators and these gators were getting ready to like chomper so he reaches out he catches the stone he's like thank you and while his hand is out like that this alligator comes up bites his hand off like literally bites it off he started yelling like a madman like ah, ah, which i mean who wouldn't yell like that right so while all this is going on, everybody started running and everything because he get, started to get this big shootout. Zolo is like literally, this man is hurt. I mean, who wouldn't be? He just lost a hand, right? He got a hand off, right? So Jack and Ira's men, they start getting to a shootout with Zolo's men. Elaine and Joan, they take off running. Ira, you know, he gets a couple of his guys. They trying to get away and get back to the to the boat. And everything. Ralph, who was all beat up, is moving slow for whatever reason. And he's telling him, like, are you gonna come back for me? Why he didn't get on the boat with like why he didn't get up and run with them, I never understood. But he's like, You're gonna come with come back for me? He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna send the boat back for you. And all this type of stuff. So like you're my cousin, because I always thought that they were brothers, but he always says, You're my cousin, and everything like that. And this is what we realized, like, I rate shit. Like he literally left Ralph. Like, like, what are you doing? And everything. He leaves because the boat takes off, and while they taking off, the police shows up, and then Ralph's like, "Yeah, go get him, get him, get him right there," and everything. So, uh, Zolo wraps his his stub up, like what's left, like so he don't lose all his blood. Basically, wraps it up, gets his, you know, he gets up and he gets some some riggedy piece of wood and goes chasing after Joan and Elaine. And Jack, who sees the alligator that that bit um, Zolo's hand off, he goes after that gator because the gator got the stone now. The gator ate the hand, so the, the stone is in this gator's belly. So he's following after the gator, and he's trying to stop it from getting into the water because if he gets into the water, he ain't never going to find a freaking gator, right? So he has the, he gets, it's a dilemma that comes up. Because he actually he's holding on to the gator, but he looks up and he sees where Zolo had cornered Elaine and um, Joan 
and Elaine had passed it, passes out because Joan had Zolo's knife. She throws at him, but he's faster as he puts the wood up and it catches it and Elaine just falls out. So Elaine is useless at this point. So a one hand Zolo is trying to stab Joan and basically kill her and everything. So Jack has to make a choice, either hold on to the gator or actually go save his girl. And he makes the choice of going to save Joan. So he gets up there and before he can actually get to her, she ends up taking Zolo out because he has her pinned down and she ends up getting that piece of wood, hits him in the bad hand, lights him, lights him on fire. And he ends up falling into the pit with the alligators and they eat his ass up. So that's the end of him. So while they basically like get, they reunite and everything. The police are coming. It's like, oh shit, I got to get out of here. I got warrants. Basically we said, like I've been down here. I, I, I did a lot of stuff down here, you know, so, but I got to go and everything. He's like, I won't forget about you, uh, Joan Wilder. And he jumps into the water and dives off. He's gone. So we get back to where New York is, where Joan has written a new novel and kind of pulled inspiration from her experience with everything that went on. And it seemed like it's really good because Gloria really enjoying reading this. Man. It's like, oh, this is a, basically this is a hit. You know, this is going to be great. Fans are going to love it. Your fans are going to love it. You're probably going to get some new fans probably, you know, up, you know, your profile is going to, you know, go up even tenfold, basically. So seeing Joan here when she is walking on the street is completely different than what we saw of her in the beginning when she was like meek and timid walking on the street. Now she has this confidence. Her hair is flowing. She she got this new aura about her and everything. And she's walking and she see this, this boat on wheels. Um, you know, in the street, she looks up like, huh, like, ain't this something? And when she looks up, she sees Jack. It's like, hey, John Wilder. And so she, he lets down the, um, the, uh, the ladder for it. She climbs up and it's like, you like my boots, huh? And it's these gator boots. Cause basically he caught up with that gator. He's like, yeah, that poor yellowtail gator died of indigestion right in my arms. She's like, well. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't rather be any other place. And they reunite, they have their kiss, and they get to live the fantasy after all, right? And the movie ends with, with them on the boat as this, as this driving away. And that's pretty much how the movie ends. Um, Yeah, so that was Romance in the Stone. Um, I do have to say that Michael Douglas in this movie, this movie... Similar to Dan DeVito, but this movie is the movie that really kicks starts Michael Douglas movie career. It's a it's an action adventure romance comedy. And it's funny, the movie that he would go on to do after this. I mean, we get Fatal Attraction, we get Wolf of Wall Street. Um all like I said, all these different movies that he ended up doing. He never really not until he kind of gets a little older again, but after this, he really gets more into dramas. I mean, dramas and thrillers because he does basic instinct. He does falling down uh, the game, you know, all these type of like real serious type movies. But the first big movie that he does is this, like, like I said, this little action adventure romance comedy movie, but he's really good at it. And, and everything. And the fact that, you know, he felt the chemistry with Kathleen Turner. It's like, yo, we should run this back. 
and they do with Jewel of the Nile and then Bed of Roses, which came a few years after that and everything. It all starts here. And it's just kind of funny, like, how certain actors, how their movie careers kick off because of the success or, in some cases, not necessarily the success of movie, but their performances are great and it kickstarts their career. Um, but Michael, let's see, Michael Douglas is dope in this. He, he's having, you can tell he's having fun in this movie um, with the stuff that they got him doing. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite movie, a favorite character, um, I'm probably gonna go with Jack just because I mean, he just this wild man that he originally doesn't know really what's going on, don't know exactly who Joan is, but just how he kind of you know gets them out of certain situations, how he gets himself out of situations. Like it's just funny watching Michael Douglas run around. You know, in the jungle and stuff like that, and and some of the, the stuff that he pulls in this movie. Uh, if I had to rate the movie out of five alligator tails, I probably would give it a solid four out of five because it, it's a it's a cool watch. Um, and it's one movie you know you don't really have people talk about a lot of like especially with podcasts and everything because. Even though I am a podcaster, I listen to other podcasts too, and rarely hear people, at least for the shows that I listen to, um, I rarely hear too many people, you know, talk about Romance and Stone, and it's kind of the reason why I want to talk about it a little bit, because it's one that doesn't get talked about a lot, but it would be cool if people, you know, did talk about it, and then, like I say, for anyone who's listened to the episode, definitely check out the movie, um, even if you, if you have seen it, you know, check it out again. If you haven't seen it in a while, because I hadn't seen it in a really long time. It was cool just to kind of sit down and just, you know, watch it and everything and just enjoy it. Um, and like I say, certain stuff that I noticed this time around watching it for the podcast. Um, Before I get up out of here, because uh, I think I'm going to kind of continue the little tradition of like what I've been watching recently. So I've actually watched a few documentaries, sports documentaries. Um. Uh, the first one is the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix, which that is a wild tale um, and everything, um, especially when you find out that his family did not really come from oil money, as they tried to claim. It was just something that him and his friend made up so that the NCAA would stay off of their back and everything. And the fact that nobody fact-checked that to find out, like, no, nah, they really didn't come from no oil money. Um, but I guess because he was a white kid from from Texas and he was playing at this uh, military school out there, so it's like, yeah, sure, yeah, it makes sense. They they in Texas, oil, yeah, it, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, he come from oil money. All right, we believe it. And just all the stuff that he went through and stuff, and you kind of look at him a little different. I would say you feel a little bit more sympathy for him, more so than just what the media hype was around him and the stuff that he kind of had to deal with. So you kind of look at him in a, in a different light after watching this documentary. Um, and then another one, uh, now there's no, the only sympathy in this documentary where I'm going to bring up uh, is for the kids because they are the victims of this whole thing. And I'm talking about the BS high documentary, Bishop Sycamore, um, which is on um, Max right now. Um, that dude, Roy J Roy Johnson, boy, that dude is the worst. And I'm pretty sure if those young men could get their hands on him, they probably would beat the holy hell out of him. 
because of what he did. And the fact that he takes no accountability for anything that he did. Um, it's a really good documentary, but I think like myself and uh, other people that I know that watched it, that as good as the documentary is, it will have you furious by the end because of Roy Johnson and his nonsense. But it's definitely worth a, a watch. Definitely. Um, and then the last thing I watched was now at some point I probably will do the movie, but I just decided to watch it because it had been a really long time since I seen it. And I'm talking about the movie Tap, which stars Gregory Hines, um, Suzanne Douglas, Xavier Glover, and Sammy Davis Jr. and a lot of other uh, older tap dancers from you know earlier generation. It's a it's a really good movie. It has a really good message in it. If you've never seen Tap. That's a movie that should be checked out. And like I say, I'm pretty sure at some point I will do that movie on the podcast. Because similar to Romance in the Stone, Tap is another movie that I used to watch a lot when I was a kid. And, yeah, it just kind of took me back. Because I've always been a fan of tap dancing. And that movie is one of my favorites. And I always probably my favorite scene of that movie is the challenge scene where Gregory Hines' character indirectly challenges uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and the other legends and get to see them kind of showcasing their skills in that scene is is, is great um, and everything. And like I say, it, it, it's, it, it, that's a movie that doesn't get talked about enough at all because I'm pretty sure anyone, if you if you bring up the movie Tap, I'm pretty sure people are like, huh, what, what are you talking about? What, what Tap? Not, not Taps with uh, Tom Cruise and Timothy Hutton where they like in this military school. Not that movie, but just Tap where by Gregory Hines and being an ex-con and tap dancing and, and you got Dick Anthony Williams and, and Joe Morton being up to no damn good in that as well and everything. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been watching here recently um, and everything like that. So I'm probably going to keep this trend of kind of talking about what I've been watching um, and stuff like that because I am kind of getting back into going down certain uh roles as far as rewatching stuff or watching stuff for the first time um things of that nature so that's pretty much it uh, i want to thank everyone for listening um of course you can follow me on it's still twitter i don't care if it's if it has the x sign up i don't care what it is. it's still twitter damn it um so you can follow me on that app either at my personal page the the j giles or the movie page uh, J Movie Talk, also on Instagram at JMT Podcast. Of course, you can find all the Movie Talk episodes a part of the TV Zone Podcast Network. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast, with the exception of Stitcher, because Stitcher is going away. So, like I said, if you listen to us on Stitcher, please check us out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else podcasts are available. But if you're someone who listened to us on Stitcher because the Stitcher is going away, so you won't be able to hear us on Stitcher anymore. Um, yeah, so like so you can definitely check us out anywhere else that podcasts are. are um, but to make things even easier, you can check us out on the website at www.tvzonepodcastnetwork.com and everything. And I will be back for episode 291. Haven't fully decided what exactly 291 is going to be just yet. But I will be back for episode 291, and I will catch you guys next time.
Peace.